The warrior knelt in the dirt, the smell of smoke in the distance barely masking the vile stench of blood that burned his nostrils. The spirit of this forest began to roar in his chest, an overwhelming fury that echoed the cries of nature around him. He could hear them now, the approaching invaders, violent, destructive people. As they entered his clearing, a blast of green energy narrowly missed the one's head. A warning shot. The glow from the Eldritch Blast faded from his hand as he rose to his feet, toothy smiles spreading across his face as he considered the vengeance he was to exact for his patron. He flexed his shoulders, dropping his cloak on the ground behind him, revealing the shell-like plates that drew beneath his skin. His fingers shifted into vicious claws, acid dripping menacingly from the knife-like weapons. All gifts from his patron, this primal spirit, this animality. Before the intruders could raise their weapons, he leapt at them, the vicious beast inside him finally unleashed. RPGs podcast where we talk about everything tabletop RPG related, mainly with a focus on Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, but we like a little bit of everything around here. Today we have another homebrew review and discussion. As I've said before, my goal with this is to really spotlight some smaller creators on things like DM Skill, Drive Through RPG, and review some products, uh, gives my some of my thoughts, maybe some uh, critiques here or there but really try and elevate smaller creators. As myself, I am a small creator. Um, so today we are going to be looking at uh, the Otherworldly Patrons Bundle on the DMs Guild by Nick uh, Techmeyer, I believe his name is. Um, a creator on DMs Guild that has given me his permission to discuss his product today. It goes for $1 on the DMs Guild and it comes with three Otherworldly Patrons for Warlocks. Which is good deal. Uh, the three patrons here are the Animality, the Elder Vampire, and the Cosmic Sphinx. The main one we're going to be talking about today, as you got from the little excerpt in the beginning of the episode, is the Animality. And then I'm going to briefly just give an overview on the other two. So you can go on to DM's Guild and check out the product for yourself. But... Uh, as this is a bit of a review, we're going to be talking about the mechanics uh, involved in the animality and then uh, so as not to give away the entire product, you're, we're going to leave some of the, the finer details uh, up for further inspection once you check out the product for yourself. But let's start us off. Looking at the otherworldly patrons, uh, looking at the cover of this product... Uh, so otherworldly patrons, the animality, the old vampire, and the cosmic sphinx. It looks like some AI art perhaps on the cover. I'm not entirely certain. Um, but it jumps straight into it thereafter. And we start off with this otherworldly patron for the animality. And basically, this is a wrathful, bestial spirit of nature that is your patron. This is a, a forest guardian. This is an arch druid perhaps that is scorned. Uh, the spirit of an arch druid, maybe some form of elder god uh, that's been long forgotten, that represents the more vengeful side of nature and of a particular forest, perhaps. 
And that is your patron here. So very much going along the lines of almost like a druid warlock, which is interesting because that's not something that is really available as of right now. Um, the closest thing to like involving nature, sort of, I guess, you're looking at your arch fae, um, but that's not really nature, that's that's fae. So very interesting concept to look at. So starting off with your expanded spell list, I will say this is a slight, <laughs> this is a warlock thing. With the warlock, the fact that you get an expanded spell list is not my thing. What I, <laughs> how I rule it in my home games is I rule them almost as like domain spells where you just learn this spell and that's it as a part of your warlock spells and it doesn't count against the number that you learn each level. Because for the most part, like there's one or two spells, but the whole thing that, that from these expanded lists that you might want to learn, but for the most part, the spells that you want are the ones that are going to upscale when you cast them at the higher level. Because of the way of pack magic, you've only got two spells, they're cast at the highest level and so on. So you're going to want your armor of Agathis. Uh, you're going to want your hex and things like that. I know hex isn't the best example, but it does still have a benefit for being upcast. Your uh, hellish rebuke and so on. So when cool subclasses give you flavorful spells that you can potentially learn... You only can learn. You can only learn so many spells, you know, as a warlock. So you really have to decide: Am I going to learn Armor of Agathis, or am I going to learn, in this case, Animal Friendship? Is the first level spells available to you? Animal Friendship, speak with animals. A couple of the others available: Dominate Beast, uh, Conjure Animals, which are all flavorful. They make sense, but outside of something like Conjure Animals, not many of them. I don't think any of the available ones uh, have some form of benefit from being upcast. So if you were to just, just this is a warlock design thing, if you were to just make all of these available, you get two spells per short rest. You can cast, for instance, Beast Sense is another one of the ones available to the Animality Warlock. You can cast Beast Sense and get the benefit of it as a flavorful RP thing because you're not having the detriment of having to choose to learn Beast Sense over choosing to learn uh, another strong second level spell Um yeah, so that's just a me thing with regards to warlocks, what I like to do. and But I, I'm a very big proponent of like, the stronger I make my players, the stronger I can make my, monster, <laughs> my, make my monsters. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, when you're a DM, maybe I'm going to get flack for saying this, you, you can't really unbalance your game because you are the playtester at all times. You know, you can adjust things, especially if you're creating the encounters and not just taking them straight from like a module. You can take the encounters and be like, cool, these are really strong level fives. I remember for my, like my main campaign that at home campaign that I ran for like three years, whenever I did like a challenge ratings calculation, when they were like level eights, I considered them level nines or tens because they were stronger because I had given them stronger magic items because I had given them cool little like, homebrew traits that they each could use and so on make your character strong <laughs> um but then that's that's the uh, animality then we get an animality spell list then we get to the, the another core feature of the animality is this animalistic strike which basically gives you primal savagery as a cantrip and allows you to use it and add your strength and dex to the damage sick i think it's a, this is a very cool feature I love the idea of a Warlock feeling different to other Warlocks because it doesn't use Aldrich Blast. Of course, Aldrich Blast is still going to be stronger than this because if Strength or Dex are generally going to be your secondary stat at most, 
So you're adding on average maybe a plus three to the damage on top of this versus if you were going to use uh, your Eldritch Blast with, I forget what's the top of my head, the Warlock Invocation that allows you to add your Charisma mod, you're going to be adding plus five to multiple bolts, multiple Eldritch Blasts versus just adding a three odd to one Primal Savagery. But, so I, I would potentially say, cool, let's make it you can add your Charisma instead of Strength or Dex. That would be that would be an interesting move because it is powered by your Charisma stat because it is a spell. That's just uh, a me thing. Um, but I'm not sure if Primal Savagery adds your spellcasting modifier to it in general. If it does, then you're just adding Strength or Dex on top of it. That's cool, but I don't think it does by default. But very cool. I like that. And it fits in with the flavor a lot. Then we get something which I think is a really cool concept that I've been won over by. At first, I was like, this is weird. But you get something called Animal Aspect at 6th level. Now, remember, you've always got to think of, when you're looking at Homebrew, you've got to think, how does this compare to the other things that I could have chosen? So I always think of it like a peer review and like a table review. Table review being like, would I allow this at my table? Well, that depends on me as a DM. It depends on the other players, how that's going to work out, how it would balance in comparison to them. But the easiest way to do it is through a peer review. It's to be like, cool, how does this compare to, it's especially easy for subclasses. How does this compare to another subclass at the similar level? At sixth level, a Hexblade is getting the Accursed Spectre, which is not really, maybe I'm wrong here. It's not that commonly used as far as Hexblades. I know Hexblades are more often than not like multi-class dips. But your Arch Fae gets like your Arch, like your Fae Escape, I think it's sixth level. Um, so like in comparison, this feature, you, you got to think about how things work in comparison. So at sixth level, you get Animal Aspect, where basically when you finish a short or long rest, you choose like an aspect of like this bestial energy. In other words, you're channeling a particular animal and you get three options here. And that gives you a benefit until you choose a different one. You know, it's, it's lost constantly so you get the armadillo which gives you an ac boost you can choose the cobra which gives you a advantage on uh stealth and deception checks and you can use you can change damage types to poison um or gazelle which gives you a movement boost and allows you to disengage um as a bonus action so all three of these are cool i like the armadillo one i think getting an ac boost is fun uh the cobra one might be a bit too strong so if you were to peer review these with each other firstly uh, the Armadillo one, bit of an AC boost, nothing too hectic. That's fine. Um, the Cobra getting advantage in all deception checks, all stealth checks. Stealth checks, much of a muchness, but all deception checks, that's very strong to get at sixth level. Um, yeah, because it's all of them, which is which is wild. And then um, being able to change the damage to poison, that's much of a muchness you know poison damage is the weakest elemental type in the game so i don't have an issue with that and then gazelle getting a bit of a uh, a boost to your movement is not bad one thing i will say here is that one thing that is a uh, i would shape a little bit in this whole product is like the looking at action economy there's a couple of things where the features are say that you use a bonus action to do something where in actual fact that doesn't really work out well. I use, for example, this changing something to poison damage is when you use a spell, you can use your bonus action to change it into poison damage. Um, I would just make that you can just change something to poison damage. There's no issue with that. Um, but other than that, that's the only real, like that's a the only nitty gritty thing that you can really iron out. Uh, but otherwise, as far as this feature goes, I think it's sick. 
Um, I'd love to see it used more as the subclass goes on, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, but very much capturing the flavor of this this animal spirit. And it's such an interesting selection of animals. Um, the armadillo, the cobra, and the, the gazelle. Very interesting. Normally people would go like, cool, lion or like bear is like the default one. So to go with those three is very interesting. At 10th level, you get the beast inside, which allows you to use polymorph on yourself without spending a spell slot. I like it. Getting a fourth level spell for free, once per long rest, or short rest, sorry, once per long or short rest. That's cool. I'm not a big fan of like the Aldrich invocations that allow you, they pretty much give you another spell and, and, have to, and have it that you still have to use a spell slot to use that spell. So I really like this. Just class feature, polymorph, once per long or short rest. Very cool. And at 10th level, you'll be able to like transform into like a T-Rex. It's probably the strongest beast you're going for. I like it. And at 14th level, your capstone is something called fight or flight. You can choose a creature. They must make a wisdom save. On a failed save, they're frightened for one minute. While frightened, they must decide if they're going for fight or flight. Very interesting. Very cool concept. Um, They must make a D100 on less than 50 or more. Like on one of the ends of the spectrum, um, they fight on one of the spectrum. They flight. On flight, they have to use the action, bonus action, all their movement, everything that they can to get as far away from you as possible. If they roll more than 50, then they must attack the nearest creature with everything that they have. I like that. Um, and then they can repeat the save at the end of each of their turns and so on. I think that's cool. Um, I would say it's only allowed to be used once per short or long rest. Let us use a number of times equal to proficiency bonus. Like, I don't see anything wrong with this. Um... It's not too strong. It's you're basically getting a fear, like an altered fear, and fear is only a third level spell, and fear affects multiple creatures. So let us use this a number of times, yield to proficiency bonus, or use it a um or let it target more than one creature, you know? That would be interesting. I would also say what could potentially be like an interesting thing to add here would be to go back to the animal aspect that maybe, because here, if you succeed in the save from the get-go, nothing happens. You know, you've just wasted your capstone ability and you can't use it again until short or long rest. Let Why don't you make it that there's like a secondary feature related to the armadillo or the cobra or the gazelle that gets, that gets activated if you succeed on the save. Like you don't get the fight or flight thing, but uh, for armadillo... Uh, Whenever that creature tries to attack someone, it's uh, those creatures have boost AC. I don't know, stupid example. Or by activating fight or flight, like you are becoming the most bestial version of yourself, like in general. So maybe like by using act- this fight or flight feature as an armadillo, you get like a bigger armor boost. Or as a cobra, like you get an extra attack that does just poison them. I don't know. But just some other thing that gives the player more reason to use this feature instead of just casting Aldrich Blast or Primal Savagery or just a big spell. But overall, I think this is a very good subclass. Very cool. Let's think about it in terms of peer review. As you said before, I don't think... I think it's... At, hmm. Hexblade is strong by virtue of the charisma used, being used for your swings and stuff. If you were to couple this with some Aldrich Invocations, I think you could make this a really... Comp- I, I think it's upper middle of your warlock subclasses this isn't your un- undying i think that's the really bad one not undead undead's the good one this is the undying not the undying warlock this is uh upper middle i'd say probably like a b tier in terms of strength in terms of flavor 
This is awesome. Like a warlock that communes with nature or maybe doesn't even commune with nature. Like has a has a contractual obligation to like a vengeful animalistic spirit. That's sick. Um, yeah, I think it's very awesome and definitely something that I want to check out for sure. And like I said, the only real nitty gritty things that I would I would iron out would be like looking at how this subclass likes to refer to doing like an added feature as expending a bonus action to do so. Um, where it should just be like you can choose to do something, you know. When you're casting a spell, you can choose to make it poison damage. You don't have to cast a spell and use a bonus action to do an effect, which is quite middling, you know, poison damage. So that's the main thing I want to talk about in this product today. But there's also the Elder Vampire is the other pro- the other otherworldly patron and the Cosmic Sphinx being the third one. So the Elder Vampire, um, I'll just give a brief overview on both of them and what they kind of, what they kind of do. I'm not going to go de- in depth. Um, the Elder Vampire focuses or intends to make a patron that is uh, this ancient vampire that interacts with like society and cities and things like that on a massive global scale uh, to the point where it's more about beguiling and influence and that kind of thing being adored. Um, I will say that that's the flavor text. I will say that this, the, the mechanics um, more so just um, feed into the, 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 the character fantasy of having a vampire as your patron. It's, there's a lot of, um, it's a lot of uh, healing. There's some huge uh, use of some spells to gain some healing. Uh, there's the ability to like feed on yourself and allow others to heal from that. Very cool. Um, not as strong as the animality, I would say, um, but flavorly more so fits into this idea of being a vampire as having a vampire as your patron. Um, less, more so than I think the un. The undead does. Undead is mostly just like an undead patron in general could be. Whereas this is very much vampire. It's blood magic. It's it's uh, you have a thirst and all that kind of stuff, which is very cool. And then the last one, which is very interesting, is the cosmic sphinx, uh, which basically is uh, that your patron is this otherworldly entity outside of time and space that has the power to interact with time and space and shape reality as it will. Uh, you look at a lot of spells to do with like uh, chronergy spells, dunamancy, which is interesting to add to a warlock. Um, and you get some abilities to almost like freeze, like take a snapshot of time and uh, echo this on later effects. Uh, so take someone that failed a save and like repeat that 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 portion of time to make them fail another save. I will say with the Cosmic Sphinx that um, in my table personally, if you were to take a look at it, there's some features that I feel like the order of them, and you get a feature very early on, which is very strong, that I would maybe push to the capstone and move everything else a little bit down. But flavor-wise, it captures the idea of, I think, time and reality-shaping powers. Uh, obviously, Matthew Mercer addressed a lot of that with um, uh, Wildmount and like Chronergy and Dunamancy and things. But it's not something that's really been touched on in a lot of classes, in a lot of subclasses. So to be able to do it as a warlock would be fun. And what I really like is that something that I think is awesome with Warlocks is the fact that otherworldly patrons can be such big plot devices. Like, as a DM, if someone has a Warlock, I'm like, yes, I love a dream sequence me. Like, the 
like everyone's resting and then you have a dream and your patron comes and visits you in a dream because like that's when you're at your most vulnerable state and your mind can be uh, communicated with and stuff. And all three of these options, the animality, the elder vampire and the cosmic sphinx all give such good flavor for a DM to be like, I'm going to go with this. Like this is, this is interesting and I'm going to make the cosmic sphinx just this otherworldly, uh, all powerful deity essentially um that can control and shape time and reality which can really lead to like a late game uh bbeg which is awesome but i what i will say what i like about the animality is that much like things like the archfey and celestial and things like that is that it doesn't inherently feel like a villainous bad source of power and i don't think we have enough of that in warlock um granted it's not like a lawful good thing because it's like destruction and revenge and <laughs> violence but it does it in like the name of nature and protecting nature and stuff which i think is really interesting so that was my review and discussion on the otherworldly patrons bundle on dm's guild i'll be sure to drop the link for it in the uh, description of the episode if you have any homebrew uh, that's you've put on DMs Guild or Drive RPG or anywhere that you would love for me to check out, uh, I'll leave an email as an email address in the description. Uh, you can send stuff through to there, and we'll just discuss it and talk about what I like, what I don't like, what could maybe be changed. But overall, this is a growing experience. I feel like for me, for writers, if like, because I feel like you can always take something from someone else and you can use it, you can send it right back. You know, if you, if you as a writer wanted to do something and I said, I'm not too big a fan of that. At the end of the day, you wrote it and that's the biggest thing. Just get out and do it. If you're thinking about writing that class down, you've had this idea for a subclass or something and you have, you've been worried how maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, just do it. <laughs> and that's been this episode of the RPGs podcast. I'll check you next time.